Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. So where I want to start at is last week uh, I was not here. Ron and I had, and two of our kids we took with us had a tremendous time in North Carolina, saw amazing things and released some powerful things to Pastor Bobby's church and another church there as well. And so last week, Laurie ministered on uh, the spirit of rejection. And it was, I wasn't here, but I listened to the podcast, and it was powerful. And if you have not heard that, you need to go and listen to the podcast. We will make CDs again available at some point. But for now, we have the podcast available. You need to go and listen to it. If you've already heard it, you need to go and listen to it again. You don't hardly ever get anything just through one time. If we could have a little lightage, maybe the center row, that'd be great so people can see just a little bit. Anyways, you need to listen to it. It would, it would really uh, help you. It will bless you. And so the plan was, when her and I talked about what last Sunday and this Sunday were going to look like, we have been, you know, Laurie has been doing deliverance ministry basically and has helped, uh, her and I both have helped a tremendous amount of people walk through a lot of stuff. She's done considerably more of it than me because that's just the area she's called. We started to notice a trend about a month ago, six weeks ago, probably six to eight weeks ago, of people dealing with the spirit of rejection. And so when we were talking about how to make this look, she, she suggested, well, why don't I teach? And then you come back the next week and share, share from your perspective. And so mostly I'm, I'm going to share and teach a little bit, but I'm going to talk about my testimony about how God delivered me from the spirit of rejection. And before I get into it, I need to tell you this is very important, that it's when you talk about a spirit of rejection, it's not just like, um, like a spirit of your mind kind of thing. It can be that but it's an actual demonic spirit that vexes people's lives and causes them to live from a place of rejection. And so for me, I dealt with not so much rejection, but a fear of rejection. But from either place you're living from, whether you've been rejected severely, and most people that live from a place where they have been rejected, it's because of some type of abuse that they've had in their life. And, you know, be it some kind of physical abuse or sexual abuse, and they live from a place of rejection for a long time. And until they realize the source of that, many times people live from that place and, and really live a, a horrible life. Well, for me, I wasn't abused like that. But there were some things when I was younger that I was um, nothing particularly bad, but patterns that I witnessed and that I saw, and because of I didn't know how to guard my mind, there was a fear of rejection that came from a spirit of rejection that came into my life that caused me to live in a continual place of being afraid of being rejected by people. And so this was something that I walked in for a lot of years, and my mother, when I got old enough to understand, I, I want to say I was 14-ish, pulled me aside and she said, I see on you a spirit of rejection and you are going to have to fight that and you're going to have to beat that because the way I carried myself, the way I went about life 
was that I was always living in a place of feeling rejected, even though by and large I wasn't rejected, but I felt that way. And I also believed that people were going to reject me or they were rejecting me and or that God was rejecting me. So it took a lot of retraining my thinking to understand this. And some, I've met some people that they go, well, I just can't relate to that. But I would say 75% or more of people that I've talked to have dealt with issues of feeling rejected on some level. And I believe that this is one of the root things that the enemy uses, one of the root spirits that the enemy uses to uproot and to destroy people's lives. And it's very important that we're not ignorant of his devices. We can go overboard and spend too much time talking about the enemy, but you can also go underboard and not talk about it at all. And we're not the kind that are ignorant of his devices. Amen. And so it's important to know, first of all, Isaiah 53 and 3, it says that he was despised and he was rejected by men. We could add to that because of what we've seen from the New Testament that he was also rejected by God because God turned his face away from the sun. So Jesus not only experienced rejection from man, but also from God. But there was a reason why he experienced that rejection. It was so that we didn't have to live in a place of feeling and experiencing that rejection. It's very important. The, the great exchange wasn't just for us to be saved and not go to hell, but go to heaven, but it was also for us to be healed. It was also for us to have strong relationships. It was for all kinds of things. It also included for us to not live from a place of rejection. Amen. It's very important to understand and know that acceptance is a universal need in every human being. It's a need in every human being. God created that need in us, if we want to call it, call it that, for us to be accepted and to have relationship with people. And so a lot of what happens is that when abuse comes, people obviously feel rejected, but also when lies come, like in my case, to where people believe that they're being rejected, even though they're not being rejected, it keeps people at least at arm's length away from the people that can help them and minister to them and love them, if not completely walking outside of covenant with people that have the ability to help them. And not just people, but also God. There are a lot of people that believe that God has rejected them. And for a lot of years, the body of Christ has had the wrong message about God's judgment, about God condemning the world, and all all kinds of things like that. This is a new covenant, and on this side of the cross, it looks a lot different than it did on the other side of the cross. Because Jesus came in, and he paid the price, and it says that we now have peace with God through Jesus. And so that's really important that we understand we have peace with God. But if we don't know that we have peace, we don't understand that peace, people will live in a place of feeling rejected by God when in truth God isn't rejecting anybody. You can't be any more accepting of people than to lay down your own life in order to build the bridge to have a relationship with them. Amen. Um, I, when I was listening to Laurie's message last week, there was a lot of things that stuck out to me. But this one in particular, she said really really rung my bell because I could relate to it so much. She said that this demonic spirit of rejection is very demanding of its host. And when she said that, I thought, oh my God, I lived for years wrapped up with the training from this spirit. And it was very demanding of me in every single thing that I did, even to the point that I mean, I mean, everything that I did, just waking up in the morning, it was there to tell me that I wasn't doing good enough. 
It was a very performance-based kind of thing. And so all of my relationships that I had with people in specific, not as much God, but certainly included that at one point in my life, but with people, it was so performance-based that every time I would go anywhere and be around any people and have any conversation, I always felt like I was on the outside. I always felt like I was the loser, and I always felt like I couldn't measure up. And this is what I've come to find out is that what you believe about yourself, you will project. If you believe that you're rejected, you believe that about yourself, you are going to project that into your relationships. And so I was the guy that would come into the room at the party if I got invited to the party. But if I didn't get invited to the party, I would stay home and sulk and say, well, they really don't care about me. I got news for you. I'm going to be maybe a little more harsh than Laurie. You are not the center of the universe. Okay, you're going to move on. <laughs> I thought that I was the center of the whole universe because people that operate in that, in that thinking, they become very selfish because they become very self-focused on how to get their emotional needs met, the particular ways that they can get them met, however that is. And so I was the kind of guy that if I didn't get invited to the party, I'd stay home and sulk. If I did get invited to the party, I would go in the corner of the room and wait for people to come over and talk to me. And if nobody came over and talked to me, I would go home and say, all those people there really don't love me. They really don't care about me. Total and complete selfishness, but there was, there was a problem on the inside of me. At the root of my thinking, there, was, there were issues. And the Lord showed me this, and I've used this a lot lately. The Lord, about two months ago, I was just praying, and it's like all of a sudden, my understanding opened up, and he started to show me how how prevalent demonic spirits are. They really are. And how they have worked in this world. And what they do is they train people's thinking. Because Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, he said, I will send you another, and he's a comforter, and he's also a teacher, and he'll teach you whatsoever things that I've taught you, right? So the Spirit of God works to teach us and train us, right? And to help our understanding grow to where we think properly. You have to understand something, that the demonic spirits, they don't come up with anything new. They only pervert what God has created. God created the idea of His Spirit teaching us things. So what do demonic spirits do? They do the exact same thing, only they teach perverted things. So people have had been exposed either through abuse or through different situations. They've been exposed to the enemy, and the enemy has trained their thinking to the point to where they are so warped in how they view things that they do not see things the way that the Holy Spirit is taught because they haven't been taught by the Holy Spirit. They've been taught by some demonic spirit. So this is why that we have to retrain our thinking. We have to renew our minds according to the Word of God and the Spirit of God revealing the Word of God to us, so we think like Him. I didn't realize for so many years that my thinking was, I thought it was normal to go into a room of people and have feelings like everybody hates me there. I mean, I, it was extreme for me for a lot of years, but I truly believed that. I truly believed that people were out to get me, that people had it out for me, and until I 
had my eyes opened up to the reality, reality of it, I stayed in that place for a long time. So when rejection rules you, everything is funneled through that spirit stronghold. Let me say that again. When rejection rules you, everything is funneled through that spirit stronghold. All strongholds are, are towers brick by brick that have been laid in our thinking that the enemy comes in and builds those strong towers. And so we have lots of strong towers in different areas in our thinking in our heart. And so I've used this example before, but I had a strong tower in my heart years ago that I was not right with God because of A, B, C, D, E, F, G, even though I'd already been born again, already given my heart to the Lord. And so when I started to see in the word that I was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that it was a, that righteousness, right standing with the Lord was a free gift. Then I began, I began to go in and I started taking the word of righteousness. And at the same time, I was destroying that stronghold of the enemy that said I wasn't right with God. I was building a stronghold in my heart and my understanding that says I was right with God. And so now you could, I, don't, I don't care who you are or where you're from. You could not possibly at this point in my life convince me that I'm not right with God. You couldn't do that. I couldn't even do that right now. My feelings couldn't do that because I have such a strong tower inside of me of the righteousness I have in Christ Jesus. It's not my righteousness, but it's his righteousness that he's given to me. It's an imputed righteousness, a free gift. I use that as an example because the same thing I used to have with rejection, I had this stronghold that was built brick by brick from the enemy for all of the lies that I had believed about myself for years. I truly believed that I was rejected not only by God, but also by people. And when the truth, when I allowed the truth, when it came to me and I allowed it to penetrate my heart, Brick by brick, that started to come down. And at the same time, I started to build this strong tower, and I'm still building it to this day, that I am accepted, I'm loved, that God cares about me, and that people care about me. What you believe about yourself and your internal dialogue, which means the conversation you're having with yourself. We have conversations with ourselves. Sometimes Liz hears me have conversations, and I don't realize I'm doing it, and she'll walk in and start laughing. I'm like, look, stop laughing. I'm just... Having a conversation with the awesomest person I know. <laughs> the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, okay? But your internal dialogue, how you see yourself, you will project that outwardly. And it becomes the very thing that we fear. And Job said, that the thing that I feared came upon me. And I used to fear rejection so bad Yet I wasn't really being rejected. You understand that fear, we've heard it, the uh, false evidence appearing real. I believe that that's right. Here's what the Lord told me about fear, is that fear is any thought that produces tormenting emo emotions based on speculation of what may or may not happen. Let me say that again. Fear is any thought that produces tormenting emotions based on speculation of what may or may not happen. So I was living in a place of torment because I was speculating about whether people would like me or they wouldn't like me or I could, you know, make the cut for the choir. I wasn't a football guy. I should have been probably, but anyways. Anyways, whatever, each their own. You know, I had all these, these things going on on the inside of me and it was all based off of fear. It wasn't a reality. But you know, there, there came a point in my life 
because I projected that, that fear, when you, when you are living in fear, it, it feeds the devil. It feeds those demons. And when you live in a place of fear, in whatever area, you open yourself up to the enemy and his influence and his stuff in your life. Say, how does that work? I don't know, but I can promise you that it works. If you live in fear, you'll open yourself up to the enemy. Now, don't be afraid about being in fear. Just get out of fear, amen? I've met people, seriously, that they're like, I'm just so afraid that if I get in fear that God's going to, I mean, that the enemy's going to, you know, wreak havoc in my life. And I'm thinking, he's already wreaking havoc in your life because you're afraid of being afraid. I'm serious. You know, come on, mind games are serious stuff. So I projected that. And you know that today, and some people would say, oh, it's because you're, you know, you're a pastor or whatever. It's not because of that. But today, I have more, I have lots of friends. I have lots of people that love me and care about me. And I also had lots of people when I was younger before I understood one of my root problems of the fear of rejection. But I didn't possess or manifest friendships back then like I do now. And it was because every time I would go into a friendship, even though the people cared about me, and they made it, probably didn't understand it, but subconsciously they were like this. Because nobody wants to be a friend with somebody who's going to suck the life out of them. Some of you say, man, I feel like I'm that person. Well, get healed and quit doing that. A man who has friends must show himself friendly. It's not friendly to walk into a corner of a room and stand there and look and say, who's going to talk to me today? That's not a friendly thing to do. You may not hate the people, but it's not friendly. You understand what it means to be friendly? The good reason why you might do that is that you have a rejection issue that you need to deal with, that you need to allow God to heal you of. Amen. So I projected that, and I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't have any friends. I remember crying, saying, God, I just want to have a friend. And I won't say that. Yeah, I got one friend, and he turned out to be thought he was a good friend. He turned out to be somebody that he really wasn't, but I'm not going to go beyond that. But when I changed this, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, but I, can't, I just can't say it. He was very friendly. Jesus, help me. Stop laughing. Stop laughing. I need to get through this quick, 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 quick. So I prayed for friends, and that was the friend that got, and whatever. So Yeah, be careful about where your prayers, your prayers get answered from. Okay, I'm losing my train of thought here. Where was I going? And so then what happened is that when I got older and I realized my problem, then I started having good friends, great friends who were just really, who were they? I thought they were, you know. So, so that worked out. But let me tell you something that happened when I was in junior high, and here I am with this gripping fear of being rejected. The craziest thing. I look back and I think, how demonic. And the people didn't know they were being used by the devil, but they, they were. But I just realized how demonic it was. I was, a, I was not a good student. I was the boy who cried wolf, for sure. Like, always talking about how bad school was, even though it wasn't really that bad. That was me. And I was in a private school and I was a good kid. I mean, I, I didn't mess with anybody. I got C 
C average probably. And they, they thought I should be doing better and I probably should have been doing better, but I, that's just where I was. And there was a period of time where the principal of the school made, we had these lockers that were about this wide, about seven foot tall. And they took two lockers and turned them in a corner and they stuck me in the corner for weeks and isolated me from all of the other students. To this day, I truly cannot tell you why they did it, other than they said, you need to focus on school. You think I was focused on school? I was sitting there tormented, feeling like, what a, what a loser I am. What an idiot I am. That did, that did not help me. And on top of that, this religious fool took the longest Bible verses in the Bible. I don't remember Proverbs or about Proverbs, Psalms something. Yeah, probably Psalm 119 or something. But not, no, not just the whole chapter, but the longest verses that meant nothing to me at that point. You know, I was like all into like Jesus loves me verses, not thou shouts and shoots and whatever, all, all that stuff, you know, shoots. I don't know what that means. Come on, can't focus. You got to get through this. And I had to write out longhand multiple long verses 50 times each while the entire rest of the school was on a field trip. I was stuck at school in the corner writing verses. You talk about a wrong way to use the Bible. That's, that's taking the word of God and abusing people with it. So anyways, and that's exactly right. The enemy seen and he saw the assignment. Oh, I forgot to have you celebrate my birthday with me. I'm going to do that in a moment. It's really good. You, you'll love it. You'll love it. Yesterday was my birthday. Oh, come on. I'm not looking for that. Come on. Come on. But the enemy, the enemy knew. I don't have time for that right now, but I would love to hear. The enemy knew the assignment that God had on my life in rejection was the button, was the issue that could keep me from fulfilling that assignment. And let me be totally honest with you, and I just don't have time to go into all of this anymore, but I struggled with rejection up until about a year and a half ago. Can I be totally candid with you? I was probably 75% free until a year and a half ago when things finally broke open in my life, and that was because of a particular spirit that was in control of this church and not me. And when I came out from underneath of it, I also got loose from the spirit of rejection, but I'm not going to go into that at the moment. But thank you, Jesus. This spirit, I have to say these things very quickly. This spirit of rejection made me feel uh, inferior. I had an inferiority complex. I was afraid of failure. I wouldn't try out for sports. I was working out with someone the other day, and they said, man, you got some strong shoulders. You should have been a linebacker. And when I was younger, and it reminded me when I was a freshman in high school, one of the coaches said, you, you really need to come try out for the football team. And you know that I wouldn't try out for the football team because I was afraid to fail. And I was afraid to fail in front of other people that I would get rejected by that. Lots of people have gone through that, but I'm just explaining this, that these are real things that people go through. Because of this fear of failure or fear of just, I just say looking stupid, I've had missed opportunities. I've been in places with some awesome, powerful men and women of God, but was too afraid to go up and approach them because I was afraid that I might say something or they might see something in my life or this, that, or the other, that I missed opportunities that God had for me. Don't let that fear hinder you. You could also say, and this ties in, it's just the fear of man. The fear of man, the Bible says that the fear of man is, 
is a, uh, a snare, and that snare is like, it's like a hook or a noose. That's painful, right? Fear of man is very painful. It caused me a lot of pain, pain in my life. Um, this also brought me into performance-based mentality. I was never satisfied with anything that I did. I always felt like I never measured up. The last thing I want to say about this is that, and I have much more I could say, is that this fear led me, and this is very important you understand where this goes into, this fear led me into being a very controlling person. Most of you never knew the controlling Kent. As a matter of fact, when we started this church, I was the complete opposite because I was afraid of being controlling that I operated in almost zero authority and let the devil run every which way and I didn't understand what I was doing. Thank you for having mercy on me for all these that have been here for <laughs> all of the years you have. But it, it, it led me in my younger years into being controlling and when Liz and I were, were dating and even into about the first year of our marriage, I was extremely, because I felt so rejected by people, anytime that she would go and have any kind of fellowship with any other women, friends, even family, I was so jealous of her time with them because I took it, because when you filter everything through rejection, everything feels like rejection. I took her time with her friends as rejection towards me. So instead of recognizing my weakness and my issue, I began to be very controlling with my emotions. And when we were in high school, when I walked into school, you didn't know, you didn't know what Kenton was gonna walk in. It was like a total split person. One day I'd walk in and be this cheery, awesome guy. The next day I would walk in and totally mad about whatever, something, you know, whatever. The stripes weren't straight in the parking lot or anything. I mean, it didn't matter, just nothing. And she never knew what person was going to walk through the doors at school. And I did it to draw attention to myself. And then I would be mad at her friends all at the same time. I mean, it was just, it was just a total mess. And I did everything I could to pull her away from her friends and to pull her away from people that she should have had some relationship and friendship with because I was so insecure in and of myself. One of the ways that Jezebel, controlling spirit, will manifest is through people that have serious rejection issues that are based in insecurity. Because when people are so insecure, they will do anything they can in their environment. Instead of changing them, they'll try and change and control their entire environment to make it revolve around them. And then pride comes in and pride says that there isn't anything wrong with you. It's everybody else that has the problem. I operated in this and begin to operate in this in my life. And the words of my mom, praise God for a powerful praying mother. The words of my mother came back to me so many times of this issue of rejection is something that is in you and on you and you have to break it off of your life. Praise God for that. What I couldn't control, I became enraged at and I became ex extremely jealous. And those are manifestations of not dealing with this this issue of rejection, but I can tell you today that I am 99.99999% free of the, the issue of rejection. This ate me up so bad. I'm being totally vulnerable before you this day. This ate me up so bad after ministering the word for years, I would go home very concerned about what this person would say or that person would say or how they would respond. I got news for you now. I preach what the Lord tells me. If you don't like it and you want to go somewhere else, hit the road. I don't care. I mean, I love you. I care about you, but I'm going to do God's business. Do you get what I'm saying? Don't misunderstand me, but I'm going to do God's business and I'm going to do things his way. I'm going to say what he tells me to say. And even when I don't say it perfect, there's room for mistakes. 
because I'm accepted by God even if people don't accept me? Who cares if people don't accept you? If God accepts you, if God loves you, if God cares about you, who cares if people love you? And the whole thing about what makes a successful church, you know, the number one question that people ask me when I tell them, I'm a, I try to avoid telling them I pastor a church. But when it comes out, the number one question people ask, how many people do you have in your church? Hands down all the time. Why? Because that is the world's, even within the church, that's the, the world influencing the church as to what makes, it, makes a church successful. That is not what makes a church successful. I've seen churches that have thousands of people that are as dead as a doornail. But yet here we have this amount of people and we've got a life in abundance. Amen. Okay. I have to give you five very, very quick, important things. I know I'm out of time and then I have to move on to some other business for just a few moments. I'm going to give you five. There might be more, but I'm going to give you five things, important keys to overcome rejection. You can write these down. So write fast if you're writing them down. Number one is you have to identify the problem. And if you don't have a mom like I did, then just pray. <laughs> Number one, the, ident- the, the problem has to be identified. Number two, you have to know God's acceptance of you. Everything that we flow from positively in this world, it comes from an understanding of God's love for us. And where this really started to break for me years ago, even though I wasn't totally free from it until about a year and a half ago, where it really started to break free from me is when I was reading in the Word, and it said, says in Ephesians 1 and 6, it says that you are accepted in the beloved. And I didn't even know what that meant. I, was, I thought the beloved was the church, and I was like, God, the church doesn't accept me. And he said, I didn't, he didn't say stupid, but it was almost like he said, <laughs> the church... The church isn't the, isn't the beloved Jesus is, and you are accepted in him. Now, let me tell you a fine line here, very important. There is a rejection of God, and it comes when you're not in him. You can't be accepted by God outside of Jesus. Must be born again, amen. But once you're saved, when you're born again, man, God, it's... He loves everybody, but the acceptance comes when you accept the payment that he made. Then it's full on his love for you. The third thing is that you have to know your identity. You're seated with him. You're adopted by him. You and I are adopted by him because we were fatherless. We needed a father. We needed somebody to love us in that fatherly way. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's how accepted we are by him. So that means we have to, if we're going to know our identity, we have to stop trying to look like everybody else. Whenever David went to fight his battle, you know why some of us lose battles the way that we do? is because we're trying to wear other people's armor. When David went to fight Goliath, you remember the story that Saul was a very big man. At that point, David was just a youth. And Saul said, here, take my armor, which really wasn't doing anything for him at the moment. But he said, here, take my armor. And David recognized that that's not where his identity lied. Because David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David knew the covenant that he had with the the Lord. His identity was in the Lord. That's what caused David to win that battle. For some of us, we're losing battles because we have our identity trying to look like other people. I got news for you. You can't look like other people. You're not supposed to look like other people. You're not supposed to copy people. You're supposed to copy their faith. It says in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Consider those who have rule over you, whose faith 
follow. Don't follow their actions. Don't think just because you drive a Dodge Ram like me that you'll be able to preach like me or something. It just doesn't work like that. You say, oh, who would believe that? Trust me, there are people that believe that. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to move on. I got to do it quickly. The fourth thing, you need to change what mirror you're looking into. You have to change the mirror that you're looking into. There, there are mirrors that you can go and look at. Let me read this to you very, I keep saying quickly. I just got to say it. James 1 and 21, I have so much to say in so little time. I think Willy Wonka said that. James 1 and 21. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> come on, keep it together. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Ah, the implanted word can save your souls. Your soul's not talking about you going to heaven. That's talking about you living in abundance here on this earth. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, which is, in essence, the word of God, and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So if you look into the perfect law of liberty, you look into the word of God, and you receive with meekness the implanted word, it will save your soul. The word of God has every answer in it for every issue in life that you will ever need. Put it in you. Look into that mirror. Stop looking into the mirror of how you feel or how other people see you or how you think other people see you and start seeing what God says about you. If it says that you're accepted in the beloved, period, you're accepted in the beloved. If God be for you, not only who could be against you, but who gives a rip if anybody even tries to be against you? <laughs> Last thing here. Oh, man, I could have had so much more fun with this if I had more time, but praise God. I hope you're getting something out of this. Last thing here, number five, is change your internal dialogue. Stop thinking the things you're thinking about yourself. Stop thinking, oh, I'm a loser. Stop thinking they're going to reject me. Most of the, most of the fear... In fact, all of the fear we deal with is in speculation. And a lot of the thinking we deal with is in speculation, which tells you that it's fear. It's fear-based. So much of what we do, I, I cannot tell you how many times for years I would leave the church and I'd think, well, they, they're not going to like this and they're not going to like that and this, that, and the other. And 95% of the time I was totally wrong, correct? Probably 90, oh, a large percent of the time I, I, I would say this is going to happen or I think this is going to happen. And it never happened. I was the enemy having a heyday in my mind because I was sitting there in speculation. So let's move past that. Let's allow God to heal our hearts of these rejection, this rejection issue. You can be free. I'm standing here today as a testimony that you can be free from rejection. You can be free from the fear of man. You can be free from giving a rip what people think, not in a disrespectful way, but in a way that causes you to be steadfast and stable in your own life, not up and down all of the time, wondering and caring about this, that, or the other. You're just stable and you're steadfast. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.